Our text today is going to come from the book of Hebrews. We're going to be reading Hebrews chapter 1, reading verses 1 through 4 of Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many, many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir over all things. And through him, he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains the world, sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made the purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's a, um, a common theme, trope, whatever word you want to use for it in uh, superhero movies. Y'all know I love my Y'all know I love my superhero movies. Uh, I just finished watching WandaVision last week, and uh, spoiler alert, it was awesome. But I'm also an unbiased, um, you know, reviewer, so I think they're all awesome. Looking forward to, um, looking forward to um, Winter Soldier, Falcon the Winter Soldier in a couple weeks. Can't wait. I just, it's what I do. I like, I like Star Wars and superheroes. Disney can basically just have all of my money. It'd be a lot more efficient that way. But there's a common um, trope or theme in, in these superhero movies um, where the superhero has all this power that we as the audience may be aware that they have, but they always seem afraid to use it. Or they don't, or maybe they don't even understand the full extent of their power. You know, you see it with Captain America in the first Captain America movie. He he had the super soldier serum. But it wasn't until he was really, truly unleashed and was able to really, truly go at it that he really understood the, his uh, might and his ability. The, there was a, a movie that came out a few years ago, Captain Marvel. It was another one of the superhero movies. And, and it's a story of a... I'm not going to go into the plot. Basically, an Earth person has amazing powers. I've thus summarized every superhero movie ever. But she has this ability to shoot fire from her hands and fly and all kind of stuff. But she has this restrictor thing on her, on her ear. And it isn't until she takes it off and is able to fully realize her powers that she becomes Captain Marvel. And there's this famous image. It's taken right out of the comic books where you see her just glowing with power and her hair is all glowing. And she, you're like, whoa, wow, she really is powerful. But that's a common, a common theme. Like I said, throughout all superhero movies, is that the hero never truly realizes the height of their power and the height of their ability. Like I said, you see it all over, all over common superhero movies. Today, we're continuing with our uh, look at the creed. And today, we're going to be talking about the stanza that relates to Jesus that says, He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I don't think we as Christians understand the full power that we have at our disposal. And I think, honestly, for a lot of us, we live our life with our hand tied behind our back, not really realizing the power at our disposal. I, I had a uh, teacher, 
last few years. Dr. John, Dr. John Nyhoff, Dr. John has since passed away. He was the president of Wesley Biblical. And, and I was, when I was doing some doctoral work there a few years ago that I, that I, that I took a break from whenever I entered my sabbatical, um, years ago, uh, that, I've, that I have since not restarted. <laughs> um, Dr. John was talking about how we preach failure theology. Failure theology is this, hey, it's okay if you mess up, you're only human. What's it matter what happened? What's it matter what you do? And Dr. John's point was, well, if we allow people to stay convinced of their inability to grow and be sanctified and experience the fullness of God's power, we're not really allowing them to access the full power that God has for them. Then the full, that's the thing with this full power we have. The full power is not our power, but the full power is the power that God has through us and for us. I think about, um, I, think about um, I talked about this Wednesday night in my Bible study. I talked about um, how we don't fast to prove our worth to God or show God how awesome we are, but that we fast to, to allow ourselves to, uh, to know God's grace. We don't fast to impress others. And there's always a challenge there where how do I, I don't like to talk about fasting. I've struggled with it this year to talk about fasting in light of, in light of the shared stuff we're doing together. And I hate to talk a lot about it because I, I go to Matthew 6 where Jesus says, don't, when you fast, put oil on your face and look like you're happy. Don't be all mother grubbed, you know, be excited about it. So I hate to say, hey, I'm fasting. I'm doing this. And the Bible says I was reading that I've been using as a source material says, do we fast to bask in the admiration of others? And that stuck with me. Stuck with me. Who's the hero of your story? We have great power at our disposal through Jesus. But we're not the hero of our story. He's the hero of our story. We're not the power. He's the power. And we get ourselves in trouble whenever we think that we're the power or we think we're the one who can do it or we're the one who gets it all figured out. I've heard it put like this. When you, one of the ways to read the Bible is to uh, project yourself in the story. So when you read a passage, where do you find yourself? So when you read Mary and Martha and Jesus and Mary wants to sit at his feet and Martha wants to work, some of us are Marys and some of us are Marthas. You know, we all, we all find ourselves in, in our, in our, we kind of project ourselves into Scripture sometimes. That's, hell, that's a good way, that's a healthy way to read the Bible is to find our place in the story. Well, when you read the story of David and Goliath, where do you project yourself? And most times, we project ourselves as David. Oh, and with the power of Jesus, I'm going to slay my Goliath. With the power of Jesus, I'm going to do this. With Jesus' power, I've got this. I can just bow up and do it through Jesus. And the way I heard it put is this, is no, no. When you read the power of David and Goliath, the story of David and Goliath, we're not Goliath, obviously. We're not even David. We're the helpless Israelites. Jesus is David. Who's the hero of your story? Are you the hero of your story? Or is Jesus the hero of your story? We have access to great power. But the power is not us. The power is the fact that he 
ascended into heaven and sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. So we're going to talk about each one of those, those parts of this creed. He ascended into heaven, sit at the right hand of God the Father, and he'll return. Ascended. Uh, this is, I told, uh, when Tim and I were preparing for this service today, I was, I was telling them, I said, it's funny. I feel like each one of these, um, these sermons is kind of a mini um, celebration of certain days in the life of the church. So like last Sunday's sermon was really kind of a mini Easter, it was kind of an Easter sermon. Like it really was about the resurrection. It was an Easter sermon. And I guess technically every, every sermon should be an Easter sermon in some way. But today's, past, today's sermon is really, an Ascension Sunday sermon. The Ascension Sunday is a Sunday that falls in the church year. And that's kind of what today is. Today feels like an Ascension Sunday sermon. So he ascended into heaven. And, and that, that's one of the things that we don't think about a lot because it's not one of those doctrines. It's kind of, it's, we know it's important. I mean, obviously it's important. It made the creed. It's a big deal. But we don't really think a lot about it. But when he ascended, his ascension allowed so many other things to happen that we're going to talk about today, and particularly regarding him at the right hand of the Father in his return. But his ascension also allows the church to step into its role of ministry. When he ascended, a few days later, the Spirit fell at Pentecost. And then at that point, Jesus' body was us. Jesus no longer had a physical body upon the earth except for us as the church. So his ascension was necessary so that we, the church, could carry on his mission. So the birthday of the church really is Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit comes. But in many ways, his ascension is the beginning of our birth. His ascension is the moment when the church really begins to have to step up and step in and be the body that Christ has upon the earth. You know, there's that old, that old um, quote attributed to Teresa of Avila, Christ has no hands but yours, no feet but yours, no body but yours. That's right. I mean, I don't know, we don't know if she actually said that or not, but there's truth there that we are his body and that Christ, when Christ ascended, when Christ ascended to heaven, ascended to the right hand of the Father, the church begins its ministry at that point. That is when the church must become the church. So his ascension, honestly, in many ways, makes everything else possible that's going to happen and that's, that's going to come after this. His ascension, is, his ascension is that pivotal to the life of the church. His ascension is that important to what the church becomes in the days, months, years, centuries, millennium to come. He ascended into heaven. He sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He sits at God's right hand. Um, Real quick, that is, um, that's kind of like, you know, we talked earlier about God being a father and Jesus being a son, and the, the importance of that concept was that, um, was that God is a father and Christ is a son. Those are Trinitarian confessions as much as they are anything else. And because about, we talked about how God is a spirit. So I, I don't know if Jesus Christ is literally sitting on a throne next to the Father in heaven. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know if that is literally what we're looking at or if it's metaphor. And I don't, want you to, I don't want you to get tripped up in that, spending too much time thinking about the literal or the metaphorical reality of this. Here's what, that, here's what this, this part of the creed means to us. Jesus Christ is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. 
and that he reigns over all things and that he currently is king of all. And that's what, that's what Hebrew, Hebrews tells us this morning, this y'all. We read this. We read this. Let me read this to you again in Hebrews where he says this. He is the reflection uh, that he has spoken to us by a son who appointed heir to all things. And through him, he also created all worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. He sit down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels. It says this in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one. We are told this right here. I'm sorry, Colossians. I said I told you it wrong. Uh, should, that should, I should have marked my Bible. Um, well, no, I'm sorry. It is Ephesians. It says, um, "To him we have redemption through his blood. He has made known the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure he has set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to gather all things in him, things in heaven and things on the earth. In Christ we have obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purposes of him who accomplishes." all to all to his counsel and will so that we have first set our hope on Christ who we might live in his praise and glory then it says then it says in colossians that you may live lives worthy of your lord he is the image of the he is the image of the invisible god firstborn over all creation for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created things visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers and powers or powers all things have been created through him and for him he is before all things and in him all things hold together he is the head of the body of the church he is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead and so that in him might come first place in everything for in him the fullness of god is pleased to dwell and through him god is pleased to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Jesus Christ reigns now. Jesus Christ is king now. Jesus Christ is Lord now. Jesus Christ is over all and in all. So to sit at the right hand of the Father is to sit in the place of power. And that's the power we have at our disposal through the the Holy Spirit that taps us into God. He reigns. He is Lord. He is King. One of the beautiful things that Scripture teaches us about Jesus at the right hand of the Father isn't just that He reigns. The Scripture tells us that He intercedes for us. That He intercedes for us on our behalf to the Father. Scripture tells us over and over again that Jesus Christ prays for us now. That He's pulling for us and praying for us. There's that great passage in Acts where Stephen the stoned and Stephen's in Scripture says that Stephen looks into heaven and he sees the Son standing at the right hand of the Father. And I've always liked that image because it shows, I've, to me, it communicates that Jesus Christ is standing. As we will stand at a ball game to root on our team, Jesus Christ stands there in the moment of Stephen's great pain and trial and encourages him and saying, come on, you got this. You can do it. Come on, don't quit now. You got this. Come on, just keep going a little bit more. You got this. So Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father to reign in the fullness of his power, in the fullness of his glory, in the fullness of his might, in the fullness of who he is. But he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he also intercedes for me and you. He's praying for me and you. He's pulling for me and you. He's there for me and you. He's on our side. And we have access to that great power through Jesus. He's for us. He's pulling for us. 
He's working for us. He's at work. He ascended into heaven. The church begins its work. He stood at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He reigns and he intercedes. He shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. When I was a kid, I was always, uh, I was always thrown off of that line, uh, the quick and the dead. I always thought, well, I'm kind of slow, so what's going to happen there? Uh, you know, I'm not real fast. Quick is a, is a traditional term for living, to judge the living and the dead. He ascended. The church begins ministry. He sits at the right hand. He intercedes. He has our power. And he will return again. He will return again. And he will judge the living and the dead. We live in hopes of his return. Uh, it's so interesting to look at the, 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 early, the writings of the early church. And that's why a lot of the Bible was not written until a few decades after Jesus' resurrection, because they expected his return at any day. They were looking for his return at any day. And it wasn't until a few decades later they said, well, he's not back yet. Maybe we should write this down before the first generation dies off. He's going to return one day and make all things right. He's going to return all day and make all things right. And there will be no more sickness, pain, and death. There'll be no more hatred. There'll be no more poverty. There'll be no more racism. There'll be no more division and discord. We'll all be with the Lord. He will return. His return is an essential part of our doctrine as Christians. For in his return, all things will be restored and all things will be made right. Now, I'll be very honest with you. I'm not one of those folks who sits there and thinks about it a lot. And, and, and I'm not, there are folks out there who know Revelation better than me and know all this stuff a lot better than I do. I've never really gotten into all that. So I don't know when he returns. Hey, I hope he returns. I hope he returns today. Well, gosh, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if he returned today and, and all the sin and the hatred of this world's gone? Wouldn't that be amazing? Maranatha, Lord, come quickly, Lord. That's what we want and we desire. So my prayer is that he returns today. But I know this. The Bible says in Jesus that only the Bible says that only the Father knows the hour or the day. So I do think sometimes we can get so focused on figuring out mysteries that we're never going to figure out. We miss opportunities to be faithful each day. Like I used to always hear him say, I don't want to be so heaven-minded that I'm no earthly good. He's going to return. And he's going to make all things right one day. He will judge. Now, last week we talked about how his wrath was satisfied. God is, God is out of the wrath business. Uh, that the, his wrath has been satisfied. That does not mean he will not come in judgment. And that does not mean that we will not give an account for how we've lived our lives. Now, the ultimate hope for our judgment is Jesus Christ, because as Christians, we know that we will find ourselves lacking. So Jesus Christ, remember, he's interceding for us. He will also plead our case for the Father. And so I feel fully confident and assured of my entrance into heaven at the moment it happens, not because of my works, but because of Jesus Christ. And I, I do think Scripture tells us that we will give an account and we will be judged. What does that look like? I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not going to tell you that I know because I've never been there. I, have, I haven't ascended into heaven. That's what the Bible says. Only one who has ascended is the one who's descended. So I, I, don't, I don't know the specificity of what all this is going to look like. But I do know that we're going to give an account. 
And I try to keep that in my mind. I try to let that affect how I think and how I act and what I do, that I will give an account to the Father. The Bible says as a teacher, I'm going to be doubly judged. So I'll let that affect how I live and how I teach and how I preach. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to scare you or make you go, oh, no. But we'll give an account. But remember, the source of our entry into God's kingdom will never be anything that we've done but it will only be what Jesus has done. So we have nothing to fear, nothing to be afraid of, because we've got Jesus. So he'll return. He'll judge. And he'll restore. I love the images in the Bible of what the new heaven and new earth will be like. It's perfect. It's peaceful. The sin of this world is done away with. There's no more sin or brokenness or hatred or any of these things. But it's as God intended it in the garden. And Jesus will restore all things when he returns to the way the, the, way the Father cre- desired them, the way he created them. We will not have to be afraid. No one will make us afraid anymore. The fear of death and the fear of sin have been vanquished by the cross and the empty grave. And we will forever be with the Lord. He ascended. The church Comes, he gives way to the church. The church comes. He says the right hand. He is powerful and he intercedes. And he will return. He will return and he will judge. But he will restore. And we will forever be with the Lord. These words are great hope. These words give us great power. Not because of our might but because of who he is. Our power is not of our own, but our power is Jesus. I know sometimes we feel like this is a difficult moment, difficult moment we find ourselves in, isn't it, y'all? A lot of division, a lot of discord. We're tracking in the right direction with COVID and we're almost done, but we're still dealing with some of this. I know I've thought a lot, golly, Lord. <laughs> it's been a hard year. And I think a lot of the quote from Lord of the Rings where uh, Frodo says this. He says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. Gandalf replied, so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All they have to decide is what, we, what to do with the time that has been given us. We can complain about how we, where we find ourselves in life. We can complain about the culture in this moment. We can complain about everything. That doesn't change anything. God has us here at this moment. And we have access through Jesus Christ, by the, by the Holy Spirit, to the greatest power in all the world. Don't be afraid. Don't be angry. Don't be deterred. Don't be worried. There's power in the name of Jesus. Never forget that. May we live in that power now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power that we can know through Jesus Christ. We thank you for his life, his death, his resurrection, for his ascension, and for his soon return. We love you. Father, may we live now in his power today and always. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.